Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. In this episode, I chat with Melody McAllister, a wife, mother of five, educator, and author. She and her family relocated to Anchorage, Alaska from the Dallas, Texas area in 2019. McAllister is the 2017 Garland NAACP Educator of the Year and author of the I'm Sorry Story, a children's book about taking responsibility for mistakes and making sincere apologies. She is a classroom teacher, the community facilitator for several large educational communities, and is a consultant for edtech companies and small businesses looking to enhance their social media presence. McAllister has spoken at ISTE and ASTE about equity issues in education and writes about her life journey in her blog, HeGaveMeAMelody.com. She also guest blogs regularly at AliceKeeler.com, EdumatchPublishing.com, and SpacesEDU.com. McAllister has been dubbed Stream Queen for her regular live streaming broadcasts. You can watch and follow her live streams on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, where she has a weekly book chat with other authors. She also hosts the Growth Over Grades podcast, sponsored by Spaces EDU. During our conversation, we talked about the importance of restorative spaces. Melody points out that As humans, we make mistakes and will often end up harming the relationships we have built with others. It is vital for us to learn how to navigate those spaces and intentional work to rebuild connections. This is a challenging process, and it is our job as educators to guide our students through this learning. What Melody does not condone, however, are forced apologies and other similar approaches that rob students of their accountability. Ready to hear more? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Counter Narrative Podcast. As always, just thank you uh, for rejoining us in this space. If you're coming back, uh, you know, if you, you've heard what you've enjoyed, you're, you're checking out another episode, I know you won't be disappointed. And if this is your first time checking out the show, welcome, welcome. If you enjoy it, feel free to peruse all the other shows and and see what else there is, because like this one, there are some amazing gems. And I have no doubt that my guest today is going to bring those gems. I was going to say to bring the heat, but she's coming from north, like way, (laughs) way north. And so I don't know how much heat is there right now, but welcome to the show, Melody McAllister. How are you? 
I'm great. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on today, Charles. And I would love for you to bring the heat. Please, somebody send the heat to Alaska. <laughs> we could use it. I'm pretty sure we'll have our first snow within the next three weeks. I would love to wait till October. But I was just thinking, if it does, we could literally have snow in every season because our last snow was in May and spring. Oh, so wow. we'll see. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not jealous like at all. I, even though I'm in the Chicagoland area, like I I cannot stand the cold or the, or the snow. I'm trying to wait till retirement and figure out where I can go from here. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to visit you when it's, you know, like, you know, not snowing. Right. As you should. Um, I would say that living in Alaska is not for the weak or the faint of heart by any means. So, yeah. All right. Which means well, can we, I was going to say, which means I'm yeah. a total badass, but I don't know if we can say ass on your show. <laughs> well, I mean, you just said it twice, so it's right? okay. <laughs> now I've, now I've got to click the explicit button, Melody. Exactly. <laughs> As you sh- anybody that has me on their show should. And it, it's probably like the first time. So look, look, we're breaking, we're breaking records here. Um, so Melody, for those listening in and they're like, man, I love this badass from Alaska, right? So I'm just going to throw it in as well, <laughs> since we've already broken there. So we can now just launch them. Um, parents, if you're listening with your child, this is now the disclaimer. No, I'm joking. Um, so those listening are like, man, I want to learn more about this melody. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your, your journey to education, your current role. And maybe if you don't mind sharing, maybe something about you that not a lot of people know. Okay, um, sure. So I started teaching in 2004, I think. Uh, I never keep track of my years because I have, over the years, I have been in and out. I, I stopped teaching in the early like 2010s to have a few kids. I do have five kids, which is pretty well known. It's crazy, and I don't, you know, I don't recommend that to anybody. But I love all five of our kids. But so in and out, the last few years since we moved to Alaska from the Dallas area. I have been education adjacent. I've been homeschooling my kids and working for different ed tech places and people, things like that. Um, And so at this point, though, all of my kids are back in public school, all five of them. I have a young, my youngest is in kindergarten. My oldest is a freshman in high school. And I have also returned to the public school system as a seventh grade ELA and social studies teacher for the Anchorage Stream Academy, which is the best middle school in the whole world, I truly believe. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone back, I think. Uh, I was waiting for the right opportunity. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I've, I, I, Most of my years have been in fourth and fifth grade. I've taught first grade. And then, of course, with my own kids, I've taught like everything. I've taught a few of them how to read. So it's been a crazy journey. And um, everything has taught me so much that I think I was really fully prepared to be in this role. And I think being with my kids for the last few years, especially through the pandemic, was probably eye-opening in a lot of ways, um, especially that has made me ready for this role in middle school. So I, I love the fact that you're like, yeah, I took some time off to have a few kids. Yeah. We have five. <laughs> like, oh, so my, my wife and I, like, we, I, I chuckle because my wife and I, we have five between us as well. And they're all girls. Nice. Oh my. So I'm like, oh, just, you know, you know, just, just a little bit of time off. <laughs> yeah. Oh. A few of so, them, I, I mean, it was, it was hard, you know, maternity leave is a real thing preparing for that. So I was like, you know what, we're not done. I'm going to take three years off. And I had probably three kids in those three years, but anyway, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, and it was interesting. I just, the other day I had a, 
your school followed me on Twitter. And when oh, it nice. followed me, I was like, what is this school? This seems interesting. I need mm-hmm. to look into it. And then you just mentioned the school's name. And I was like, wait a minute. That's the school I was just looking at. So maybe you and I could connect offline. And I was like, this I looks interesting. This PBL space. You know, I can only imagine, you know, people envision Alaska and you kind of think like the wilderness and the outdoors. And I'm like, we have a school near us that's like that. And I was like, man, I could mm-hmm. only, now I need to find an excuse to come visit outside of For the For sure. And I hope that they're not, you know, embarrassed that I actually said their name on here. I know most people don't, but I really, I, I have a lot of school pride. My kids, you know, came here last year and I did some long-term, long-term subbing. And actually it was the sixth graders that I subbed for at the end of last year. And I was like, I loved them so much. When the seventh grade position came open, I was like, if I don't apply for this job, I would be a fool. So, yeah. And there you are. And now now you're there. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. So prior to the show, we were chatting a little bit and we were having a conversation around, you know, like, what do do we want to talk about? Right. The the whole premise of the show, obviously, is to push back against narratives. And you, you threw an idea out. And, and I think it's a great idea. It's one that I've talked about on this show before, you know, and it's always some a topic that I think as we discuss, we, we explore various avenues and, and, and perspectives. And it's one that is, I believe, hugely debated because I, I, I still encounter these, these arguments, um, you know, the, these heated spaces of discourse, uh, you know, around this topic. So share with us a little bit, like, what, what do you want to talk about and why? Yeah, so this is something near and dear to my heart as well, is just restoration. Um, I wrote the children's book, I'm Sorry Story, to help my fifth graders at the time uh, just learn how to restore relationships because that was something I was always putting fires out just to try to teach something. And, you know, relationships are much more important than academics, I believe. But it's just turned into something to me, very important. I didn't learn those skills as a young person. In fact, I don't think I learned how to restore relationships until I left home because I didn't come from a great, you know, um, upbringing in a lot of ways. And I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but it was, it was really eye-opening when I finally left home and saw life through a different perspective. And so it's always been my mission as an educator and as a parent to help young people learn how to restore relationships, like not just cut people off and, and, you know, go a different way because people are important. And when relationships with people, um, are not toxic, but they're ones that you want to keep forever. You know, it takes a lot of skill and it takes a lot of just uh, time to really feed that. And so what happens when, you know, you, you have conflict or, you know, even at school, when we talk about restoration, I've been talking about this with my students. Um, We believe here at the school I, I teach at is like the consequences to behavior issues we want to teach our students, you know, that there's something better. We don't just want to punish them. We want them to see like what you're doing is not okay. It doesn't go with the culture of our school. Let's work on this. And um, so that's what we've been talking about with my students. We're writing about it and we're just, uh, these are just skills that will stay with you for the rest of your life. And if you look in the public sector, if you look at celebrities, heck, political figures, there are so many people in this world that have no idea how to restore anything. They only know how to blame and they only know how to punish. And um, so I think that these are skills that are very necessary. You don't have to wait till you grow up to learn it and you shouldn't wait till you grow up and uh, to, to put these into action. So that's kind of where I, I'm, I'm coming from. 
No, I, I appreciate it. And and you're absolutely right, right? Uh, conflict is going to happen. <laughs> Wherever there are people sharing space, conflict is bound to happen. I don't care how best of friends you are or how close of siblings you are. At some point, at some point, conflict is bound to happen. It's a natural human interactions. But you're, you're right in this idea that we need to learn how do we navigate that? Right. So mm-hmm. oftentimes it is. It's the blame game or the punish game. And, you know, we we as institutions look up and we try to figure out why has the child's behavior not changed? Right. right. There, there's no question. Right. Or, or surprise that the child who was suspended once gets suspended again and again and again and again. Like the child who's receiving detentions. Right. There's reasons why we have problem children. Right. They're the ones who are always in trouble because in our minds, we can punish that behavior out of them when right. in reality, right, like just like anything else, you know, in, in the sessions that I've done around this topic, right, if a kid doesn't know how to read, we teach them to read. If they don't know how to right. do math, we teach them how to do math. If they don't know how to behave, we should probably teach them how to behave, right? And right. so I'm curious because I know there are individuals listening to the show who are, you know, you know, in our corner who are saying, absolutely, let's have this conversation. Let's, let's, let's do the thing. And there are others that are like, oh God, here we go again. Right. Here we are with this lovey dovey, hippy dippy, like, no, kids should know better. Right. And they're going to need to learn. Right. And Mm -hmm. if, if you're not going to, I'm going to lay down the hammer, you know, Mm. whatever it may be. Right. And so I guess my question for you is one, why do you think this is still such a prevalent conversation. Why do you think, despite all the data showing that it doesn't work, and I, I'll, I'll throw out the caveat. I know there's not a lot of data right now supporting restorative justice, right? There's not a lot of data out there that says, yes, it absolutely works. But guess what? There, there's no data on the other side either, right? And so, like, mm. why do you think this is such a prevalent conversation still? Like, why are people so gung-ho on on punishment within our schools? Well, I think we are still circling around compliance as like our number one indicator that students are on the right track. Mm. And coming down from this authoritative place, especially from admin down to teachers, from teachers to students, um, it's just this trickle down, you know, like whatever is happening up there, it, it just trickles down all the way down to the students. So and I mean, I would take this back even to like inside of our home. When our, our young people in our lives, when they mess up, you have an opportunity to either say, I'm the boss, don't question me, just do this because I said so. Or you can take the time to explain exactly why the behavior is problematic, um, what the consequences are, like how it affects other people, the impact that it's having around them. And when we take the time to do that, as opposed to saying, well, I said so, and you have to do this because I'm the authority figure, we're actually helping the young people in our lives learn that everything they do really does impact the people around them. And that is probably one of the greatest lessons you could ever learn. So we have to get away from that compliance. We have to get away from, you know, we all learned that. Probably you learned this too, because I said so. And for a lot of us that, you know, who were very compliant, that was enough. We did it because we didn't want to get spanked or we didn't want to get grounded. We didn't want to get punished. And so we would stop a certain behavior, but that doesn't always work for for people. And even if they do stop doing something that is problematic, it doesn't mean they understand why. 
Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I don't make my kids apologize to one another. I hope that they will apologize. I hope that they'll restore the relationship with their siblings when they've done something wrong. But if I force them to apologize, it means nothing. And I think a fake apology is worse than um, not an apology at all. And these have to be choices that we want to make because that's when real restoration happens, when we make the choice to restore something. And so when we take the time with our children, with our students, with anybody in our life to have that conversation and um, explain like when this is happening, this is how it impacts everybody else, like that domino effect. That's when we're going to see, you know, change happen. And I know people say like, if you're really sorry, you won't do it again, but we're human beings. And I tell my students this all the time, we're going to mess up a lot, but if we know how to restore those relationships, if, you know, we get better at that and eventually we do stop those behaviors. I mean, you know, that's always the hope anyway, but yeah, that's where, that's where I hope that made sense. (laughs) (laughs) No, it really does. And, you know, you said a few things there that I I, want to just make sure that, you know, as coming out, you know, to the audience here is, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned was, you know, that we're human, right? Mm -hmm. We make mistakes, like it's going to happen. And, you know, forcing something to happen, right? You mentioned compliance. Yeah, maybe I do it. But if I don't really understand why I'm doing it, if I don't appreciate it, if I'm not, you know, doing so with intentionality, does it Mm -hmm. really matter? Right? Right. I'm working with, you know, and and I know I've talked a lot about him, my my grandson, who's, you know, he's six and a half now, and he'll do something and, you know, he's so quick in the habit to be like, I'm sorry, right? Because he Mm -hmm. knows like, well, that's what you're supposed to do when you've caused harm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the the conversations that we try to have with him is, well, why are you sorry? Like, what are you sorry Mm -hmm. about? Right? And, and, And really trying to get into that habit of not even just saying I'm sorry, but like, name it. I'm sorry for doing this. Right. And and really taking that time to process it and more so than thinking about, well, next time, what can I do differently? Right. Right. Did I lose control? Did I, did I speak out of turn? Did I, you know, I don't know, whatever it may be, like, what was that thing that you did and what could you do differently? And as you mentioned, right. And as I just mentioned to my staff, our students are just that they're kids. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not mature. They're not adults. And heck, as you meant earlier, not even adults have struggles with this. So the, sure. the the notion that all of our students are going to be mature enough to say, well, you know, I made this mistake. Let me reflect and apologize and correct my behavior. <laughs> like that would be great, but it doesn't right. it doesn't happen. Like, and we have to we have to accept and own that. Exactly. And I actually, I love that you said you have to name it. That is something in the I'm Sorry story, the children's book I wrote, um, that that is part of the process is naming it. And I talk about with my students, sometimes restoration is not possible, you know? So we have to know when our behavior is 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 beyond what we could actually restore. And that's a part of this whole process as well. And we talked about like this last week, if we do something that is devastating to somebody else or like this is something that they really understood like if 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 they were given um a present by somebody that they love who isn't here anymore um and then somebody takes it and destroys that you know object we could never put that object back together that object would never be restored and so that would always be a sad point for that person and so that's an object kind of lesson but even with relationships and and by the time they're in 7th grade they already know like 
they talk about toxic relationships. I, I've had several seventh graders talk about how they've had to move on from different friendships because, uh, you know, their friend group isn't positive and they realize the toxic, um, you know, the toxicity that was coming onto them. So our young people are so smart and they understand a lot more, I think, than we even give them credit for it at times. You know, you, you, yes, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, before I ask, because I, I definitely want to ask, this is a great place, I think, to, to chat about your book a little bit. But I don't know if you've seen the video that's circulating, and, and I'm hoping that it absolutely goes viral, but there's a video of a woman who is caught on her doorbell camera, and she has a little boy, and he's having an absolute meltdown, right? Uh, the story goes that from when I read it, that his brother took this Lego piece that he wanted, right? Little kids, right? They, they get upset. And so he had an absolute meltdown. And so mom tried to do all of her normal, right, regulatory things. Nothing worked. So she finally said, all right, let's take a walk. And when he went outside, right, he like kicked, slammed the door. And mom, you know, she said in that moment, she recognized she had lost it. Right. right. But instead of lashing out, she started telling him how much she loved him. Mm. Right. And wanted him to know and just like poured that love into him and saying, look, I, I, I need you to even love yourself enough to mm -hmm. know that you're not okay right now, right? right? And that it's okay not to be okay, but you have to love yourself to recognize that. And I love you. And it was just this, this love, mm -hmm. right? And watching her do that and watching him calm down and settle down and just, you know, it, it was a powerful moment because, right? In that space, mm -hmm. like mom could have lashed out. Mom could have right. yelled and hollered and screamed, you know, struck him, whatever it might be, how people typically respond to these situations. And, you know, the question is like, would that have fixed it? Right. Or does that potentially, right, reinforce some behaviors, right? When right. when somebody is not doing what you ask them to do, I respond, you know, aggressively. I do these things. But instead, she poured into him, loved on him. Right. And, and, and that changed everything. So I, I just wanted to share. Right. Yeah. If, you're, if you're listening, yeah. definitely check out the video. For sure. And that gave me goosebumps. And every once in a while, I'll have a good moment that I surprise myself. But more often than not, when, you know, when I'm in a harried situation, I'm probably going to act out sometimes as much as the kid in my life. So. I, I, maybe not at school. I guess being paid helps me not to, <laughs> but at home, it's like, what? But yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. You know, I, it brings me back to this, this cycle that I have seen, right. That talks about like the triggers and escalations and crisis mode and things like that. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that there's this middle piece that talks about like, even for the adult, right. And I, and I've mm -hmm. shared this with my staff is that your reaction to those situations are perfectly normal, right? You are human, and right. when somebody becomes aggressive with you, it is your natural human mm -hmm. instinct to get defensive, right? It's that fight, flight, mm -hmm. or flight. I, I get it. But the reality is, is like, you know, and I say this all the time, that a dysregulated adult cannot help right. a dysregulated child become regulated, right? Like, right. And so there are times when we, as adults, we, we have to kind of recognize that and say, you know what? I'm not the person to, to help with this restore, this restoration right now. Right. I need to walk away, right? I need to be, mm -hmm. maybe be part of the healing process, whatever it might be. But I think that that's, that's important. So can you, can you talk a little bit about this book? You, you've mentioned it a few times. Can you tell me what it's about? Where can we find it? Yeah. And 
I know I, 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 um, I mention it only really because it is a work of heart and because it is something that I feel like I had to learn a lot of this through what not to do. And so um, there are other stories out there about apologies and things like that. But my story is just called the I'm Sorry Story. It's through EduMatch Publishing. You can um, find it through EduMatch. You can find it at Barnes & Noble's, Walmart, Target, Amazon, any of those. Just a good, you know, like all the tiny little indie bookshops too. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess when I was growing up, when things were done to me and I'll just, I'll just speak from my experience and nobody else. I grew up in a large family. I feel like the word sorry was always thrown at me, like, uh, just like more salt on a wound. It was never used as anything for healing. And I kind of hate that word, sorry. And I especially hate it when somebody like, sorry, you know, I hate it when somebody doesn't say, excuse me, I'm sorry for blah, blah, blah. The only time I like, I'm sorry is when it's genuine. And I've had some good genuine apologies in my life. So I do appreciate it, but I just feel like there's other ways to say or to ask for forgiveness or make restoration happen. But anyway, so I wrote this and um, again, I, I talked a little bit about how it was always important, even before I ever had my own children, when I was started teaching, this was just something that I tried to put in practice with the young people in my life. And it was probably the first year that I helped open a school in Garland, Texas. I mean, these kids are adults now. Uh, I, I, they're just, they're amazing young people. And it, I was supposed to teach math at the end of the day. <laughs> and I was like, I had to, like it was from the top down. You have to teach math at the end of the day. My students would come in from specials or PE fighting. No matter how I left them in peace, they would always come back to me fighting. And so just trying to teach math was so hard. So I spent a lot of time coaching my kids how to forgive each other, how to make things right, or, you know, because it wasn't the end of the world. Most of the stuff was not the end of the world, what they were doing. And um, when I was pregnant with my oldest at the time, and this story had just been buzzing around in my head. And I thought, you know, if I don't write this story, I'm never going to be able to after she, after my baby's born. So I better just write it. And this was, you know, she's, she's going to be 15. So this is, a, you know, probably about 15 years ago. I wasn't great in ed tech. I just wrote it, you know, on Microsoft and I put it up on the projector. And that was about the, the techiest I was at the time. And I just you know, I, my, I read it with my students. So there were no illustrations. We just read it together and I had really personalized it for them. And they were like, Oh, Mrs. McAllister, how do you know? (laughs) And I was like, well, because number one, I've been a kid and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been teaching fifth grade for a long time at this point. I get it. You know, I, I, I get how frustrating it is. And, um, if we can make it right with one another, we should. And if it's not like a large offense, how can we, um, How can we make it right quicker instead of drawing it out and creating more drama? This is just, I think every elementary teacher understands what I'm saying right now. And I'm sure in middle school too, how can we cut through the drama and how can we just get to, you know, being friends, restoring that peace and moving on and also helping our kids to do it in a genuine way so that by the time that they leave us and leave their school experience, that they're going to be well-adjusted people and they're going to take these skills with them. And they're going to be the ones that people want to work with. They're going to be the peers that you have, that you enjoy working with because they, they understand what humanity, um, you know, just what we need, what our flaws are. They're not afraid to voice their flaws. And that's something I think anybody close to me would understand is I'm okay to put my flaws out there. I, I don't, I don't put a pretense on. I am what's, what you see is what you get. And, um, but I'm always working hard to, to, to be a better person and to, to make sure that the people around me feel comfortable to be who they are as well. 
And so that's kind of what my story is. That was a, a, a big, long response, but I feel like those conversations are what come from that story. I have a ton of questions and activities you can do because I am a teacher. And when I wrote that story, it was all about that. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just like the conversation. And I love that even when I wrote this for just my students so many years ago, it was a conversation that we could always go back to. And I think that's why it's a good resource for people. Well, I appreciate you sharing and it's, you know, Sarah and the EduMatch, yes. they're, uh, they're getting mm -hmm. some traction. I think mm -hmm. you were like the second or third person within the last, I don't know, maybe two months of the show <laughs> who have books published, which was not intentional. But I'm like, hey, there we go again. Right. So awesome. Yes. awesome. So shout out to EduMatch. You, you all are doing your thing over there. Mm -hmm. um, I love EduMatch. So as we get ready to close this out, we, we've talked a lot about, right, the importance of, you know, restoring you know, the harm that has been caused, right? The, the role of that within our spaces. So if you were to give individuals, you know, maybe one piece of advice, you know, somebody's listening to this and saying, yeah, you know, I, I think you guys are, you know, maybe missing the mark, but I'll give it a try, right? Thank you. <laughs> That's the, the least that you could do at this point. So what would that one thing be? Where, is it a resource, you know, besides the book, because I think it's, you know, obviously we're going to drop that in the show notes. But is there a resource? Is there an, a strategy? Is there a tip? Is there something that you would give our listeners on how they can embrace these practices and, and, and put them into practice and within their own spaces? Yeah, I would say to just pause. And when when you see your students or your children, you know, making mistakes or doing something that is that is impacting others in a negative way, number one, use it as a learning experience. Never use it to humiliate anybody. And um, take that take the time to help that student understand the impact that their actions or words are having on those around them. And do it in a way that they feel respected because that's what you want them to do for others. So you're always modeling this for your students because I feel like that's the best teacher is just modeling, modeling, modeling. And we're gonna get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong probably more times than we get it right, but it's those times we get it right that are so powerful. And I am not ashamed to apologize to my students or my kids or anybody that I have wronged. When I know that I've messed up, you know, I'll be the first person um, to try to restore our relationship. And that's the thing is that there are so many hills that we don't have to die on, right? There are so many things that our students do because like you said earlier, they're not even mature enough to understand what they're doing. If we, instead of looking at a way to punish them, but to help them understand what's going on and it doesn't, you know, detentions, there's a place for detentions. I agree. Um, and, and sometimes that is one way to get through to students, but other times it's just a conversation. Sometimes it's a, it's a conversation in the hallway you know, helping your students to pause, to to breathe a little bit more, to go to the bathroom, come back, get a drink where they can get away from the situation, talk about it, and then, you know, help them to see with, the eye, with their own eyes what's going on. And, and, and that's not going to be like a, a Band-Aid for everything, right? It's not going to be the healing point for everything, but I just think that it's a place to start. And I think taking the time to explain to young people why. They always want to know why. And so we should actually tell them why. Instead of saying, because I'm the teacher or I'm the parent, that's why. 
take the time to explain because these are the lessons that will stay with our kids and they're going to get it wrong too. They're going to get it wrong over and over and over. But every time they do, if we take these times to talk about it with our, with, with these young people, they're going to start getting it right too. I don't tell my kids to apologize when they hurt each other. I'm like, how are you going to make this right? I don't say, go say sorry, or you have to say sorry. I never say that anymore. I'm like, how are you going to make this right? And so eventually, for the most part, I've heard my own children apologize to one another without me having to say that. So they want to have that restoration. Most of us want to have peace. We don't want to be at odds with other people. So if we are modeling that continuously and also showing that we're not too above an apology, uh, that's what we're showing our students how. That's We're showing them how to do it. It doesn't have to be a worksheet, right? It doesn't have to be a book. We're just modeling that. And I think that's the best teacher. Well, Melody, I, I, I can't agree anymore. And I, and I thank you, you know, this, this has been a great conversation, right? You, you've provided some, some practical ideas and some tips there at the end. And you're, you're right. I, this is a lot easier. And sometimes it is, it's just, you know, taking those breathers, explaining that why, right? Mm-hmm. I, I remember being so frustrated you know, when my mom would just say, well, because I'm, because I said so. Right. And then right. I remember the first time I said it to my own children and I was like, oh, no, no, no. Right. Um, so yeah, just walking it through. Yeah. Right. It might right. feel like, why do I need to explain it to you? But I'd rather take those few minutes, explain it to you and for you to understand and maybe begin doing it mm-hmm. than for it just to be always, a, well, why do I got to do that? Right. And, right. And, and that behavior continuing to repeat right? Saves me time and energy and, uh, you know, uh, stress levels, uh, gray yeah. hairs. Um, and it builds relationships. Like it's it actually it foundational to our relationships and, and our, and our kids see that we mean it, that we're living it. We're not just, you know, I could say a whole bunch of cliches right now, but they're seeing it lived out and that's important. Absolutely. So, well, Melody, I, I just want to say thank you, right? I mean, obviously, for being on the show. You know, I, I know that we, we've been moving this thing around a little bit. So thank you for making it work. Um, but also just thank you for just doing this work, right? For being up in Alaska and, and serving as a beacon for like, what does this look like? How, how do I make sure, you know, that these approaches to, you know, restoring uh, communities and relationships within our space, you know, are, are at the forefront and just part of what I do. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, those of you listening, make sure that you go and check out the book. We'll drop some of those links uh, so you can find the book, pick one up for yourself, and make sure that you connect with Melody. Melody, where can they find you? Yeah, and first I want to say thank you so much for having me on. This was a great conversation. But you can find me um, on Twitter at Melody McAllist. Seven, which is crazy. I, I I had to begin my Twitter over again a few months ago. That's a long story. But you can find me on um, Instagram at MJ McCalley Writes. You can find me on Facebook at MJ McCalley Writes, and um, I'm on TikTok at Melody McAllister. So those are those are probably the best ways to to find me. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show, and I'm sure that we will be talking soon. All right, thank you. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family.
I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.